good evening. Welcome to our Wednesday night service. We would like to pray that the Lord would give us a, a good evening, that the Word of God would be challenging, not just informative, but influential in our lifestyle. So tonight we're glad that you can join us. If you're joining us, um, it's been a very snowy couple of days. We have had, I would think we had, or more. Um, when we came to the church yesterday, uh, Sister Chandri described it as five feet of snow um, entering into the entrance of the church. It wasn't so many, so many feet, um, but um, we're glad that God helped us. We live in Canada, and ever so often we'll have a storm. Anyways, uh, we want to join in prayer here tonight and uh, pray that God give us a good uh, service in the house of God. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks that we can come into your house. We appreciate you, Lord, for your many, many blessings. As we look back over these past two years, Father, we want to thank you for keeping us safe <clears throat> as an assembly, as a family, oh God, as, as a church. We thank you, Father, for your protection on our lives. And Lord, as we look back on these past two years, we appreciate every message that you have allowed us to receive. Help us, O oh God, not to become apostate in this day and age that we're living in, but to pursue that which is godly and that which is holy. We ask tonight, Lord, as we enter into this service, that you'll be with us, inspire the word of God, challenge our lives, we pray. In Jesus' wonderful name, we'll also remember, Lord, before uh, we yet get any further on in this service, Lord, those that are not well, uh, saints of God locally and uh, overseas that are not well, tonight we pray you have mercy on your people. Every sick one that has requested prayer, we pray, Father, that you'll send forth your word and heal them. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen and amen. Yeah. 
receive the power of the Holy Ghost, Lord, touching our lives. Tonight, Lord, as we sing these songs, we pray you'll liberate every child of God that is in bondage to sin. Father, touch our minds tonight. Everyone that is afflicted in their bodies and in their spirit, Father, touch your people tonight. Touch your people tonight, please, Lord. Heal our spirits, heal our minds, we pray, Father. We praise, we honor you, we adore your name, Lord. We glorify you tonight, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Praise the Lord. Well, beautiful songs. And I like when songs are uh, sung in a prayer mode, like the songs that we were singing tonight. It's uh, songs not, uh, not in, um, expected to make us just emotional and sentimental, but the songs were uh, intended to uh, have a relationship, have that communion with God. And uh, you're all I need, Lord. It's a prayer of, from our hearts, and I hope that that could uh, find some reality in our lives. Uh, over the weekend, uh, one of the things uh, that I, one of the statements I made was taken from the Gospel of Luke. And you've got your Bibles. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke. Um, if you're not sitting in the sanctuary tonight and you're following me at home, just sitting in a corner, closing your eyes and listening to the message would do little for you. Um, if you're sitting at home, uh, you need your Bible in your hand and you need to focus. And the longer I preach a gospel that promotes the Father, I will develop some of the characteristics of God in my life. Christianity is not a talk. Uh, Christianity is a lifestyle. And I made him, one of the mentioned things I said over the past week was that the best, the greatest doctrine you can ever learn is the doctrine of lifestyle. Now I know that's not in the theological book, but the doctrine of lifestyle is what the Bible is all about. It's not how much you know, how much scriptures you can quote. As a matter of fact, if we go back 2,000 years ago, they did not have a Bible. And if they had the Septuagint version, Septuagint version of the Hebrew scriptures, uh, you were not, it was not accessible. You couldn't have a copy. It was a rare commodity. It would be held in the temple. And so the New Testament church produced the New Testament. Uh, the New Testament church was not a result of the New Testament, but it produced what we've got today, a Bible before us. And we are so locked in today that if you don't open the Bible and talk from it, people feel you don't have a message. Well, <clears throat> I don't think there was any prophet that had a book uh, reading from it when he was talking to the people. I don't think Jeremiah had a book and open it up and says, let's look at the scriptures. I don't think Isaiah did. 
what they said became scripture. And that is important uh, to understand. But today, the, the, the traditional thing to do is to walk with your Bible. And if you don't have a message, there's some scriptures you can find here and there. And just give the people something to make them happy. Well, uh, the New Testament, uh, as a matter of fact, some of the Gospels were produced years after Jesus was gone between the Gospel writers. Over these past years that I've been in Canada, uh, over 42 years, uh, there are so many nuggets uh, that I've given to this church that when I'm dead and gone, uh, there'll be individuals that God would touch that would, would reach on in and utilize these nuggets for their own spiritual growth and development. And uh, this, is, uh, this is an amazing thing that God has done. And over the pandemic period, the past two years, we have had so many, many messages that are brand new, statements that are brand new. I don't need the Bible to preach holiness. Uh, to preach theology and to preach, you know, that polyparrot, what Paul said and what Isaiah said. You see, Isaiah did not polyparrot what uh, Jeremiah said, and they, vice versa. Uh, they did not polyparrot uh, each other. Every man stood up and God touched his mind. When Paul stood up, God touched his mind, and he preached the gospel. I, I'm turning back here to Peter's writing. And Peter made some very strong statements, and I want you to look with me. Uh, it is necessary for us to follow the Word of God actively. Put your spirit in it. That's why we have a song service, that you can get your spirit attuned to it. And um, uh, his last epistle, 2 Peter chapter 3, as this good man of God is writing, and you know, uh, you spend some time with Jesus and you walked around with Jesus. And uh, you can hang around the greatest apostle and betray him. Being around Brother Goodwin does not mean a single thing. A man stood around Paul and uh, they betrayed him. And you can betray a preacher. Uh, so it's, it's one thing to follow a man. It's another thing to believe in that man and what he preaches. And if you, uh, you receive a prophet, Jesus said, in the name of a prophet, you will receive a prophet's reward. In other words, the benefits that will come from that prophet you'll receive. But if you look at a prophet and you think he's just an ordinary guy, you know, just running around, that's all you'll get, an ordinary guy's message. I believe in the word of God. Barry Goodwin was my teacher, and I believed in him. He was not Jesus in my life, but I believed in him. And he taught me 80% of the basic principles, the things, statements he made to me that will remain with me forever. And uh, yet, at the same time, I followed the Lord Jesus uh, to the best of my ability. I don't see Jesus, but I do my best to follow his teachings. Now here was Peter, a man seasoned, spent years with Jesus, and he got rebuked by Paul, who came on later on as an apostle. Uh, they had a conflict one time, and Paul withstood Peter to his face.
But Peter writing here, and you can see the Spirit of Christ in Peter as he is writing this third epistle, a uh, second epistle, chapter three. He says in in verse um, fourteen, he says, "Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found in Him in peace, without spot, and blameless." He says, an account of the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul. Now, Peter is writing this letter while Paul is alive. They didn't, this is not, he didn't have the New Testament. No, it was an epistle, a letter he was writing, handwritten letter. They didn't have a printing press. And as he was writing this letter, he says, an account of the long-suffering of God is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. Uh, Paul, Peter is saying, you remember Paul also wrote unto you. Whoever Peter was writing to, Paul had already written to some of these saints. And so Peter was making reference of this. But what I want you to bring, what I want to bring to your attention carefully tonight is this. As also in all his epistles, the word epistles is really letters, speaking in them of these things in which are some things. Now this 12, this uh, aged apostle Peter, he's saying Paul is writing things hard to be understood. Which they, which, are, which they that are unlearned in the things of God, not head knowledge, unlearned heart knowledge, and unstable, fickle individuals twist the writings of Paul, as they do also the other scriptures. Now hold on a minute. Is Peter calling Paul's letter scripture? Yes, he was. A man's got to have a revelation to look at another man's writing and say, this is scripture. And I believe this church here in Mississauga has received a lot of scripture that's not in the Bible. It's not because I'm smart, because God's good. And that will remain as scripture for men in the future that can value it. And those that are close and had an opportunity to receive it and have not received it, well, it's, um, it's a tragedy. It's a sad day. But, you know, we have learned over the years to preach the word of God and be faithful to God. He says, as they do the other scriptures unto their own destruction. What Peter was saying, he's saying, you take Paul's letter and that is scripture. And there were other scriptures that uh, people were twisting. He says, but don't twist Paul's writings because that's scripture. I'm sure when Peter's letter went out, people had a problem with that because it was not a part of the Septuagint version. I'm sure when John uh, wrote his gospel, people had a, the Pharisees had a problem with men writing new things. You see, I have this Bible... And the common saying among theologians is that this is closed canon. That's what I mean. Closed canon. 
Um, I'd like not to use a bad word to describe what I think that is. There is nothing like closed cannon. Whoever said that is blind and cannot see afar off. Because I'm sure they said that about the Septuagint version is closed. So when, when Matthew starts to write, he's got to be wrong. Why is he adding? And they use scripture pervertedly. And so Matthew wrote, Mark wrote, Luke wrote, John wrote, Paul wrote, Peter wrote. You know, here all these apostles are writing and it became, uh, it became flowing around. That is why I believe it's 66 different manuscripts. Uh, individual letters. When they put them all together and says close canon, I'm not sure if God allowed him to do that or the devil. We are looking at me like that. I'm not sure. Because when you say closed and you put them all together, you're locked into that. You don't even pray let God touch your mind and tell you how to preach a gospel to save the people today. We need fresh meat. We need instructions as to how to live for God today. You want to be saved today, find a man that God's using today and listen to him. It is important. God has always had a ministry that he has used in every age and every dispensation. And it is important. And so back here in Luke's gospel, uh, we, uh, Paul, uh, Luke is writing here and he says that servant, verse 47 in the 12th chapter of Luke's gospel, he says, and that servant, and that is not talking about somebody 2,000 years ago, I'm talking about you and I here, uh, we are, we are going to use the scripture today to examine our lifestyle. I am preaching to you listening to me. Not to the Baptist people down the street. No, I'm preaching to you. And my purpose of preaching tonight is hope that it can change your life. And if you're a rebel, then change that life. If you're a sinner, repent. If you're a procrastinator, pray that God will change your fallen nature. You got me? All right, let's move on. He says, and the servant which knew his Lord's will. Somebody says, well, you know, I know this doctrine. I know that doctrine. And I understand all of this. What are you doing about it? If you know the doctrine, are you living the doctrine? So tonight we want to talk a little bit about living the doctrine. All right. Remember uh, when Paul was uh, writing to, to the church at Rome, uh, hold your finger in Luke, you don't have to turn with me, I'll do the turning. Uh, but Paul, in writing the, to the, the Romans, in the first chapter of Rome, he made a statement like this. He says, he says um, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, verse 16, for it is the power of God unto salvation. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not. It is the power of God unto salvation. You see, when, when Paul was writing this, he's telling people, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because if you're a sinner, whether you're in the church as a sinner or you're out of the church as a sinner, whether you're a Hindu, Muslim, or whatever, you need to be saved from your sin. Amen. 
Church attendance don't mean a thing if you're not saved. You need to come to the altar and ask God to forgive you of your past sins. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You can be listening to me forever, but until you get that little job done in your life where you say, Lord, you know, I've been a sinner and Jesus died to save me from my sin. Please, oh God, cleanse me from my past sins. I know tomorrow, Lord, I might make mistakes, but today ask you to cleanse me from my past sins and save me and start this salvation in my life. The gospel has the power of salvation. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. To who? To everyone that believe what I'm telling you tonight. If you believe that God can save you, he will save you. If you've never said the sinner's prayer, and when I say that, I'm not saying I repeat, say something and you repeat. No, no, no. Get on your knees and tell God in whatever words you can that you're a sinner and you know Jesus died to save you and you need to be saved. You need to have that experience as a starting point in your life. Otherwise, you'd be a nice going churchgoer that's not saved. And we'll talk a little bit about that before the service comes to an end. And he goes on here. He says, uh, verse 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from one faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. You know, Martin Luther said that. And uh, he quoted this scripture. The just shall live by faith. When Martin Luther said that, everybody made a big deal out of it. Like if it came from Martin Luther. No, Martin Luther himself needed to be saved. Martin Luther was probably 60% Catholic. He himself needed to be saved. So when he said that Joshua lived by faith, was a great statement he made as he was pulling out from Catholicism. Because they believe in penances and indulgences and all of this, uh, uh, this uh, works unto salvation. And Martin Luther, he said, no, 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 the just shall live by faith. But Paul said that and he was able to pick it up. And God blessed the man when he accepted that fact in his life. But there's more than the just shall live by faith. I got a knowledge. No, just start to live by faith. Well, I know the just, no, no, no. Knowing it in your head and starting to live by faith is two different things altogether. Are you living by faith? It's important. Anyways, I go on here. He says, for the wrath of God, for the wrath of God. Everybody read with me here tonight. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness, ungodliness, sorry, of all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. You see, you can have the truth, all your doctrines right, but if your life does not justify it, you have a problem. Salvation changes your life. And I preach some messages 
that you can ignore if you want. But you need to be saved from your pagan customs and your pagan life and start to live for God. Stop serving idols. All right, let's, let's finish with that. Where were we when we started Luke? Getting back to Luke here now. And so Luke made a statement here in verse 47 of chapter 12. He says, And the servant which knew his Lord's will, you sit in church and you know the will of God and you hear all the messages, but if you go out and live a lifestyle in the public, contrary to what the Word of God teaches, you are not a light in this world. You're a child of darkness. I don't care how you preach and how you sing and how you pray. If your life does not manifest that, and I know there's a process of sanctification and everyone needs that process, but somewhere down the line, light must be brought into your life and darkness must be eliminated. Amen? And so he says, He did not to do the master's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. God will hold you more accountable than someone else. If you know the more you're given <clears throat> is more, much, much is required. And here in verse 40, 48, and he that know not and did commit these things, these things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. So here God is telling you, the man that does not understand, he's not getting off, but he'll be beaten with few stripes. The person like you and I sit down and listen for years this, your lack of dedication and commitment, God must judge you for. Nobody gets away. Absolutely no one gets away. Whether you're here in church or whatever you are, if you're taking the word of God, you must apply it to your life and it must bring a lifestyle. The reason why your life is not, things are not happening the way you want it to happen is because you're not putting enough effort into living for God. Too much of the world is coming into your life. As a principle, blessed is the man that walketh. So when a man is cursed, what is the conclusion? Cursed is the man that walketh in the counsel of the ungodly. When you're walking in the counsel of God and you're eliminating ungodliness, you're blessed. When you're walking in, come to church and then walking in ungodliness, you would be cursed. Every ungodly action and attitude will receive a just recompense of reward. And so Luke is making that statement. And the same thing comes across here if we back up a little to Matthew. And we looked at Matthew so many times in the seventh chapter of Matthew. Because Matthew is telling us here, uh, many shall come to me, not every one, chapter 7, verse 21, not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. You know, we read this and we memorize it, and still we feel like if we're saying, Lord, Lord, we're going to be in the kingdom, even though we live like the devil. Can't happen. 
cannot happen. The concept that we have promoted for years, that we are all going to be in the Bride of Christ, that's not true. The Bride of Christ is limited to 144,000 overcomers. The majority of Christians will come forth, maybe in the second phase of the first resurrection, or the final resurrection and be saved. Are you following with me? All right. <clears throat> And so, uh, Matthew says here, Jesus says, Not everyone that saith, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth. Now, here's the thing. It's a life. Not a memorizing. Not a theological understanding. It's a life. Say do. Do it. You see, when I came to Canada... I already had a driver's license, and in, the, in New York, I think it's easier to get take a Guyanese license and get um, an American license, but I came to Canada and I had to go to, uh, it was not so difficult as it is today, but you had to learn uh, to drive on the wrong side of the road. Uh, that's what we said when we came, because in Guyana, you drive on the other side of the road, here you learn to drive on the right side, right? of the road in Guyana drive on the left side of the road can you believe the confusion and I've learned when I was driving uh, to turn in the wrong lane uh, you know like you know where, there, where there's a median in the middle of the road uh, brother John you ever try that uh, turn in the wrong lane and everybody's starting to scatter uh, coming opposite uh, I've done that one time but you know the the principle you're learning to drive and you're going contrary to the the principle it's something that you'd have to uh, you'd have to understand you have to learn not only the theory but the practical driving you can sit down and memorize that whole the uh, theoretical book you learn the principles of driving you know to answer all the questions but your test is to go out and drive on the road. In Guyana, you buy your license. But here, you have to go out and an in inspector and driving examiner is with you. And you have to pass the actual literal test. Well, with God, it's even more serious than that. Memorizing from Genesis to Revelation, understanding all the philosophies is not enough. You got to live it, my friend. He that do it, the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Don't say, Lord, Lord, do it. Do it in your daily life. Serving God needs prayer every day. Serving God needs to study the Word of God a little bit every day. Serving God means you stop filling your mind with junk. Serving God means you must eventually learn how to dress modestly. Serving God means you can curse and tell lies. Serving God means you cannot be a, a cheater. Serving God means there is a principle you got to live by. The doctrine of lifestyle is what I'm talking about here. 
Not saying the will of God, but doing it. And so Jesus said, many shall come to me and not say, Lord, Lord. But we prophesied, Lord, we were good preachers. We prophesied, thus said the Lord. That ain't amount to anything in church if you're not living right. You got to live right. Half the people that go to church don't live right. Half the people that go to church, I'm giving you a shorter number. Most of us that go to church, we spend more time serving the world and hobnobbing with the world. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world and the things that are in the world, the love of the Father is not in that individual. It is not. They that walk in the flesh cannot please God. Doctrine of lifestyle, you got to start to live. But it starts with conversion. And then it proceeds with that. And so he goes on here. It says here, the Lord says, they said, ah, we, did all, we prophesied in your name and in thy name cast out devils. We saw miracles and all kinds of things. <clears throat> he says, and in thy name done many wonderful works. Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. We never really had a relationship with Jesus because when you have a relationship with Jesus, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and then drink the cup of the devil. It cannot work. Listen, children of God. Well, you never come to that place. I don't know why all these things are happening to me. I am telling you why. It's happening to you because you're trying to hobnob in the world and serve God. Can't. You belong to him. And when he judges, he judges you, the first generation, the second generation, the third generation, and sometimes the fourth generation of them that despise him. See, God's a holy God and he wants us to live holy. And then he comes on further on here. He says, therefore, uh, therefore, verse 24, he that hear these things of mine and do it. Do it, them. Live it. Live it. I will lighten him unto a wise man that built his house upon the rock. And you know, the rest of the scripture says, and the rain came and the floods came. But the house that was built on the rock does not backslide and leave the church. <clears throat> Thank God for storms. Thank God for COVID-19. This COVID pandemic, COVID-19, has exposed every hypocrisy in the lives of God's people. Every fickleness in the lives of God's people were exposed during this pandemic. I thank God for the pandemic. If you got to betray me, the less people, unfaithful people you have around you, is the safer you are. Somebody's not going to sell you out. That is why Jesus said, fear not, little flock. I've got 15 minutes left, and I want you to turn with me here to Ephesians. And we look at Ephesians, and then we quit for tonight. In Paul's writing to the Ephesians, and this is a beautiful, uh, we'll scan through this in 15 minutes. Are you ready? Uh, let's go. Chapter 1. Uh, Paul is writing to this church, and he talks about the will of God, that he was called by the will of God. 
And he says there in verse 4, According as he, God the Father, has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. See, when the world and all of this was started, uh, listen to me for a moment here. When God uh, was by himself, I say by himself, but <clears throat> he is never by himself. He's complete. That's a human terminology. If I can't say God is full of love, no, God is love in its absolute form. God is good. He is goodness in its totality. From him comes goodness. Uh, you can't say God is full. No, no, no. He's never empty. So how can he be full? He's, he is it. Absolutely. Finite mind cannot comprehend it. But God, according as he had chosen us, before he even made the, his son and before he made the world, God had a plan. And I talked about that, the eternal plan of God. He had a plan. There was nothing existing. His plan was to have, when it's over, 144,000 overcomers left to govern this world uh, for 1,000 years, bring that earth back into a good relationship with him, and then move on out, I believe, into the galaxies. He had a plan. And in that plan, he had chosen people in his mind. He already decided before the world was even formed, how many people he would elect and save during the, the process of time that we exist in. There is not a prophet that came up by chance. There's nothing that happened to the elect by chance. God is sovereign. And that's why he's called sovereign. He's in control of all things. We sing a song, God is in control of every situation, negative or positive. Listen, children of God, don't get discouraged. Live for God. It pays. You sow to the flesh, you shall of the flesh reap corruption. You know, when I'm reading uh, the Word of God, you know, it's, it's such a beautiful thing. Uh, <clears throat> Sister Chandra this year, she came out to help me shovel snow. And I watched over her because she's got a mechanical valve in her heart. And I'm watching her, and if her face only looks strange, I'll send her back in. Back in the house. But she came, and I'm glad you did. And I told her, I said, this is how we celebrate our 42nd anniversary, shoveling snow. And I give her that big boat. You know that big shovel, the big one like this? Because it's easy to push. And she took that, and she went out and shoveled, while some of the saints hibernated. Well, you know, the, the beautiful thing is, I thank God for the snow. You know, when, when the snow fell, it was able for me to examine who are the hypocrites in church. Who are the talkers and little walkers. Who hibernated, who were not there to help. Who did not even care to find out if we were dead. Seven hours I shoveled snow. Seven I think it worked with the, my age group, 72-7, right? Looks like that. What I'm saying, I'm saying <clears throat> that God rewards us according to our works. You see, he did not save you to polish your fingernails and to sit down cute in church. He saved you that you can do his work. And uh, when you're doing his work, 
It develops the right spirit and the right attitude. It, uh, this life must be lived. He gives us circumstances so we can rise to the challenge and do that. Amen. Amen. And so, uh, Paul is writing, as he had chosen us before the foundation of the world, that we should be happy and jolly-go-lucky. No, that we should be holy and without blame, having predestinated us in love. That's what God has done. And so, uh, verse 4 is a beautiful place to start, but I have to move to the whole chapter, and five minutes is gone already. And then chapter 2 tells you that... Uh, the Lord, there's a starting point in your salvation. And you had he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. You lived a, a rebellious, sinful life. And the Lord has quickened you. In wherein in times past you walk according to the course of an ungodly world. Or are you still walking according to the course of an ungodly world? You see, we've got to somewhere down the line, got to change our attitude and our lifestyle. And Paul is writing, he says, times past you were living according to the course of this world. Don't tell me you're doing that again. Now you understand why he said in one further on, awake thou the sleepest and arise from the dead. Because some people were dying back. You see, Christ had quickened them. But they were so not faithful to God that they drifted back into the world. They need a fresh quickening. We need a fresh conversion ever so often. If you're drifting back. As a matter of fact, if we had a baptismal pool. I'll ask some of you to be rebaptized. If you're backsliding. Get a fresh start. Get a fresh start. Start a new page. Because it's a public declaration, declaration that you want to serve God. And so it says in chapter 2 verse 1. That you were dead in trespasses and sins. And it says not of verse 9. Not of works. Lest we would boast. Not because you, you're doing a lot of things for God. And missionary work and a lot of things. You see a lot of times we do works. To give us praise and glory. The Lord did not, is not saving us because my mama did a lot of good works or you did a lot of good works and I'm just like I'm looking at all my works. No, no, no. But he has saved us because of his grace so that we can perform good works. So I'll read this again. All right. It says, not of works, verse 9, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Amen. And that is why when John was writing to the seven churches of Asia Minor. The first thing God said to each church. He says I know your works. Because we are saved by grace. But we are supposed to be involved in good works. Amen. Amen. And, and I expect the, the people to make a sacrifice. And that is why we have a church. The devil will do his best to drive you away from the church. When you have to come to the place. That's the devil's job. Your responsibility is to find a way to, man, to have not in the church. To live in the church. 
The further you are from the location of the church is the greater the temptation for you to be vacillating and fickle when it comes to the work of God. You cannot. How many years am I preaching this message, Brother John? As long as I'm around, I've been preaching. Move close to the church. The devil has given you a reason to move farther from the church. And guess what? Brother Shing, I really got to move far. Guess what? I'll buy you a ticket. Because you've got to learn a lesson God's way. I can't do that. You've got to learn your lesson. It's your lesson and I can't be upset with you. If you want to hobnob, if you want to go live in Timbuktu, that's your job. That's your problem. I move close to the church. And every time I did that, when we bought this building, we lived about how far is, is uh, Tent Line and Derry uh, from here? 25 miles? It's about 20 miles. We lived about 20 miles. We bought this church and we sold our cute little house just to move in a tongue home close by. And God made a way that we got a house instead. God made a way. We paid a deposit on a tongue home because I'm not going to preach to you what I'm not willing to live myself. And our properties in this area has gone up more than five times its original value. No, more than five times its original value. Is God with us? Yes, he is. But I don't know why I'm burning. Why he's not with me? Well, you got to figure that out yourself. God has been good. It's not that I'll die and there's big caskets and all kinds of things when I'm at my funeral. No, no, no. I don't know what the end is going to be, but I want to be faithful on to the end. And so Paul went on here, and I'm looking at the clock moving away on me. He says, we are created unto good works, verse 10. And uh, uh, so ordain us to walk therein. Now, the word walk is used here a few times, and I want to play on that because we're talking about the gospel of lifestyle, right? So verse 2 in chapter 2, he says, Wherein in times past we walked according to the course of this world. Verse um, 11, verse 10 says that we are his workmanship created, uh, uh, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We have to walk in good works every day. Find something to do for somebody. You know, be a citizen that is a benefit to society. In chapter, in chapter uh, 4, Paul writes here, and he says in chapter 4, verse 1, <clears throat> I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk, you walk, work. I'm begging you all, can you live right? That's what he's saying. He says, I'm begging you, can you live right? Can you walk worthy of the vocation, this life wherein the Lord has called you, and that you walk with all lowliness and meekness and long-suffering, forbearing one another in love? It's a lifestyle, my friends. It's a lifestyle. You cannot live in isolation and expect to love the saints. I have to learn to love the gossiper, Brother John. 
I have to learn the, the God must give me some enemies. How, haven't you heard me say that so many times? I wish God would give me some enemies. I'll, I'll show them how I can love them. My family would think I'm so silly. When I went yesterday uh, to the shopper's drug mart, I got in my car and everybody's got to jump over a pile of snow like that. I went to my trunk, pulled out my shovel and made a path. What is he doing? Working for the city? No, I'm working for Jesus. I'm working for the Lord. Is that a terrible thing? No, that's a wonderful thing. I did that and I'll do it again. Made a path for people to walk and then put back my shovel. You understand? We're here as lights in this world. Not too big. And then Paul went on further on here. He said here in uh, when he comes down further on, he talks about the ministry gifts and all of that, that we be more, no more children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. But in verse 17, he says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you henceforth walk not as the Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind. You got to get designers this and designers that. You're like a Gentile. No, no, think like a child of God. Just to please God. Live to please God. You get up in the morning, please God. Love the saints. Care for the saints. Uh, support the saints. Uh, be there with the people in the community. He goes on, he says, walk, not walk as Gentiles walk, but walk in the vanity of their mind. Because their hearts are, are dark. He says in verse 22, put off concerning the former conversation that past walk the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. It's all up in your mind. You've got to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Chapter 4, chapter 5, sorry. Uh, we're moving on here because I'm playing on the word walk just to save the length of this lesson. He says, be therefore followers of God. As dear children. Are you following God? You know it's to follow means. He's ahead and I'm following. Isn't that right? Yeah. It's not following while I'm sleeping. It's following God in a daily lifestyle. What would Christ do? Be there for followers of God as dear children. And walk. Walk in love. As Christ also loves us. And he tells us what not to do, verse 3. Fornication, uncleanness, covetousness, let it not even be named, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor foolish jokes. He says for, for, for verse 5, For this know that no homemonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous person, nor idolater shall inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 7, be therefore part, be not the therefore partakers with these ungodly people. But you were sometimes darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Live a life of life, of light. Walk, live. It's the doctrine of a lifestyle. Does your neighbor know you're a Christian? They should. They, they, are you brawling? Well, they, you, you should not be. You're a child of God, and you need to walk as a child of God. And I think uh, one last part here, and then I'm finished. 
It says in chapter same, we've done this in verse 14, chapter 5, and verse 14. Wherefore, uh, he saith, Awake thou that sleepest. Everybody read with me and let's finish this off. Awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead and Christ shall give thee light. See then. See then. What you do? Walk. Everybody say walk. Walk. We title the last tape walking circumspectly. Well, this is the doctrine of lifestyle that involves your daily walk and your daily life. Walk circumspectly. Not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. What is the will of the Lord in your life? Listen, conversion is not something isolated. Conversion is a start of a journey. May God help us on this journey. And my friends, remember... If things are not going right, find out why the car is jerking. There's water in the carburetor. They don't have carburetor no more, right? They don't have carburetor no more. But when I was growing, going up and we had a car and it's jerking like that, there's water in the carburetor. Well, today it's water in the ignition system, water in the gas, bad gas. You need to get rid of it. If your car is made to take a high-octane fuel, don't put regular unleaded. Give it what is designed to carry. And guess what God wants? He deals with high-octane fuel because that's what the Holy Ghost is all about. And that's what godliness is all about. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you once again for this night. We thank you for this service. Lord, we cannot walk except you hold our hands. And we pray, Father, that you will hold our hands and lead us on. Help us, we pray, not by might, nor by power, but by your spirit, Father. Direct our steps, we ask. Help us to let this doctrine of a godly lifestyle be incorporated in our lives, Father. Please, O oh God, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen.